Hello and welcome to The Budget Mouse, a podcast that will help you have an incredible Walt Disney World vacation, even if you're on a shoestring budget. This week I'm sharing my tips and tricks for visiting the new Toy Story Land at Disney's Hollywood Studios. I'll tell you what to fast pass, what to eat, and how to avoid the long lines. Welcome again, everyone, to episode 13. I'm Leah, the blogger behind The Budget Mouse and The Frugal South. I visit Disney World several times each year, and I'm not rich. I just have tons of tricks for doing Disney on the cheap. I want you to have the incredible vacation you deserve, so I'm sharing all of my tricks with you on my sites and here in the podcast. This week's show is all about the newest land at Walt Disney World, so let's dive in. I am Buzz Lightyear. I come in peace. You're mocking me, aren't you? Buzz Lightyear to Star Command. Come in, Star Command. I had the chance to check out the newest land at Walt Disney World about 10 days after it opened. And of course, I'm talking about Toy Story Land at Disney's Hollywood Studios. So it opened June 30th, and it is located in the very back of Hollywood Studios. If you're coming into the park, you of course, you'll see the Chinese Theater in the front. You'll take a right into Animation Courtyard, go through the kind of um, gate there to Animation Courtyard, take an immediate left and follow that building around to the back, and you'll find the entrance to Toy Story. Land. So today I want to find I want to share all of my thoughts on the land and a bunch of tips and tricks for having the best possible experience there. There have been long, long waits, of course, because it's the newest thing at Walt Disney World. And I have found lots of ways that you can totally avoid the long waits. And I want to tell you what else is most important to see there and kind of how to have the best time. So, you know, when you pay hundreds of dollars to, for a Disney World park ticket, and then you go and have a miserable time waiting in line, not getting to do what you want to do, of course, that is not good return on your investment of your park ticket. So by giving you tips and tricks like this, I think you can have the best possible vacation, even if you've gone on a tight budget. So what is at, what is at Toy Story Land first? I'm going to tell you the attractions you'll find there and character meet and greets and food. So first, the new the kind of headliner ride is the Slinky Dog Dash. It is a family coaster. I would say it's the most um, thrilling of any of the family style coasters. I think it is much more thrilling than Seven Dwarfs Mine Train. It's more along the lines of Big Thunder Mountain Railroad in terms of the thrill factor. That said, it is so much fun. It might be the smoothest coaster I've ever been on at Disney World or anywhere. Such a creative kind of story that is told in it. I don't want to spoil the whole experience, but I do just want to tell you, do not miss it. It is so much fun. So that is going to be the ride with the longest wait time because it is the coaster. It's going to have the longest wait time of any ride at Hollywood Studios probably for the next year, probably until Toy Story Land. I'm sorry, until Star Wars Land opens, it's going to be the most popular attraction at Hollywood Studios. So the other new attraction is the Alien Swirling Saucers. This is like a mad teacup style ride. There is a, oh, I should have mentioned the height requirement for Slinky Dog Dash is 38 inches. And I believe that's the same as for Seven Dwarves Mine Train. So my five-year-old daughter, I think, would have liked it. It would have been scary to her, but I think later on she would have liked it. So if you're trying to gauge, you know, what age of kid to go on, um, I think that that's a good guideline. So anyway, Alien Swirling Saucers has a height requirement of 32 inches, which is quite small. So I have heard that two-year-olds even can get um, can qualify to ride this ride. 
I would say, you know, it's fun, but it wasn't anything that I would wait a long time for. I mean, I I don't like to wait in line, so I'm not a good gauge of this, but I really wouldn't wait more than 15 minutes to ride this. If you have been to Disney's California Adventure, it is the same track as the, the Mater ride there. I don't remember what it's called, but it basically moves you around on a track, spins you around. It's fun. It would be really fun for little kids, but um, in terms of the whole quality of the ride experience, it's pretty low. It's, um, you know, something that you could skip and still have an amazing time at Disney World. So the third attraction there is Toy Story Mania. Now that has been there for many years, but it did get an upgrade of a third track, and that's to accommodate crowds. And it did get a new queue. You enter the ride now in a different place where you used to. It's on the back side of that building, and it has new characters in the queue in addition to the chalky Mr. Potato Head, who has long been in the queue, you'll find Lenny, the walking binoculars, and Chuckles, the clown, in the queue. So those are the three attractions at Toy Story Land. There are also two character meet and greet areas. The first one you'll see when you come in is Buzz Lightyear. And then a little farther back is Woody and Jesse together meeting folks. And the last new element of Toy Story Land is the new quick service dining location. It's called Woody's Lunchbox. Right now it's serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner, but I expect during peak times, it will only serve breakfast during peak times, and in the rest of the year it will just serve lunch and dinner. That is what happened with Satuli Canteen in Pandora, Land of Avatar at Animal Kingdom, they rolled back the breakfast menu and it's only used during peak time. So I expect the same thing will happen there. If you want to see a bunch of pictures from Toy Story Land, I already have a blog post up with some of these tips and tricks in the blog post. I can go into more depth on the podcast, but you can get the gist of it over on the blog and see lots of pictures of new Toy Story Land. So some of my tips are for not waiting multiple hours in line. If you were on social media the, the day that Toy Story Land opened, you saw five hour waits at Slinky Dog Dash. Now that is not going to be the case most days, but I will tell you, I did see many hour waits at Slinky Dog Dash when I was there even on a Monday, 10 days after the after the land opened. So I'm just going to tell you my experience uh, there and give you general advice for dodging crowds. So I got there very, very early because I'm nuts. I, I, so let me give you some context for that. I went to Pandora last year, 10 days after it opened, the exact same amount of time after it opened. It had early extra magic hours at 7 a.m., Animal Kingdom was opening at 8 a.m. I got there at about 6.40 to mobs of people. Like, I couldn't even see the entrance to the park, and I thought, oh, no, I should have gotten here way earlier. So they did let us into the park early, and I shuffled in with these crowds and crowds of people and um, was able to get on and off both attractions in about an hour and a half at Pandora. And so I was expecting similar crowds at Hollywood Studios for Toy Story Land. So I did get there quite early at 6.40. Actually, it was 6.35, I think. <laughs> I, I Ubered over from my resort because I didn't think that the buses would be consistently running that early before the park opened. So um, I got there and it was relatively empty at Hollywood Studios. And I was quite surprised. Uh, they had opened the park early at 
pre 640, I was able to just walk right through security, walk through the gate, walk back to Toy Story Land with very few people around me. It was nothing like the experience at Animal Kingdom. So right away that told me, you know, the pull is not going to be the same for Toy Story Land and you're not going to have to use the same kind of tactics to get to not wait in line there. So that's great to know, right? So I was able to walk on to all three of the attractions and was done with all three. And I met Buzz Lightyear by 8 a.m. Yes. Okay. So yeah, I got there at 640 ish and I was able to do everything by 8 a.m. with no wait. I mean, I waited maybe five or 10 minutes for Slinky Dog Dash, but that was because I went and did Alien Swirling Saucers first. And I was like, there's still really no line for Slinky Dog Dash. So I went and did that next. I had a fast pass for later on in the morning. I knew I was going to be able to ride it. So it turns out I was able to ride it twice. So let me give you a rundown of kind of how the hours work at Toy Story Land, at least for now. To accommodate the crowds, Disney is opening Hollywood Studios early at 8 a.m. until August 25th. And that is for everyone. You don't have to be a Disney resort guest to get in at 8 a.m. until August 25th. They're also offering extra magic hours every morning at 7 a.m. until that date, until August 25th. So if you're staying on property at any point this summer, you can take advantage of those 7 a.m. extra magic hours if you're willing to get up that early. And I did see tons of kids there that had gotten out of bed that early with their parents to go to Toy Story Land. So it's possible, right? So after the 25th of August, Hollywood Studios is going to return to its regular 9 a.m. opening, but they will continue to have an extra magic hour every day until September 2nd. And that's what we 8 a.m. extra magic hours. So from then on, Hollywood Studios will open at 9 a.m. and they will only have morning extra magic hours on Sundays at 8 a.m. So that's just for your planning purposes into the fall and winter times. And keep in mind, those operating hours are subject to change at any point. Disney frequently changes them in response to crowds. They will change around the holidays that parks will open earlier. They'll add extra magic hours to accommodate crowds. So keep that in mind. So clearly the best time to visit is early in the morning, right away. As soon as you get to Hollywood Studios, book it to the back of the park to Toy Story Land. If there's no extra magic hours or you aren't staying on property, I would suggest getting to the park 30 minutes before it opens. And if there are extra magic hours, I think you're fine getting there right when they start. I did not actually need to get there as early as I did, and I would have had a perfectly fine experience there. So if it's a 8 a.m. extra magic hours, getting there at 8 a.m., I think you should totally be fine. If you are able to get a fast pass, and you are only able to get a fast pass for one attraction in Toy Story Land, they are now part of a tier one at Hollywood Studios that has just the Toy Story Land attractions in it, definitely get it for Slinky Dog Dash. I would suggest getting it for about an hour after the park opens. If you have your choice of times, that would be the ideal choice because you'd be able to do everything else likely in Toy Story Land in that first hour to hour and a half, even two hours if you needed it because of the hour fast pass window and then ride Slinky Dog Dash and move on. The crowds at Toy Story Land, I'm told, get ridiculous in the afternoon. I had a reader leave a comment on the Budget Mouse Facebook group that they tried to go back to Toy Story Land in the afternoon and the crowds were so thick they really couldn't even walk through Toy Story Land. It is a relatively kind of small area in which to walk through there. And so, yeah, I would not want to be there when it was super crowded like that. So that would be my suggestion for a fast pass. Now, if you can't get a fast pass for anything, or if you need to get it later in the day, of course, do that. But if you don't have a fast pass, I'd suggest this order of doing the attractions. Slinky Dog Dash first, then I do Toy Story Mania. The, the lines still do build quickly for that. Then I would do a character meet and greet. And I'll say a little bit more about them in a minute. But um, And then I would do Alien Swirling Saucers. I think that the 
the line will move faster for that and it will have a lower wait time overall than the character meet and greets. They just move so slowly, it's painful sometimes. So that would be my suggestions for the order in which to do things there. I have to confess that I had never been on Toy Story Mania ever until I went to Toy Story Land. I'm just not a like video game kind of person. I don't really like Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger spin in the Magic Kingdom. And it was always such a long wait for that ride. I was like, I don't need to do that, whatever. So I went on it with, you know, five or 10 minute wait since I was there so early in the morning and I loved it. It's so much fun. I get why people love this attraction. It was just a joy. So even if you're not a video game person or arcade kind of person, and really give it a try. I mean, I was giggling and laughing. I was like, oh, so fun. It was a great attraction. So um, generally, I felt that way about everything in Toy Story Land. It's very whimsical and charming. The story is that you've shrunk down to the size of a toy and you're welcomed into Andy's backyard by the toys that are Andy's toys. And it's just a fun, fun place. Um, It's you know, it's that whimsy that Disney does so well. And all of the gags and the jokes, particularly in Toy Story Mania, are really fun. So I think that's a, the overall impression I had of the place is that it is just lovely. It's really a fun, fun place. So about the character meet and greets, because there are two characters uh, in the second meet and greet with Jesse and Woody, it goes much slower, okay? And it's more popular because there's two of them. So, I mean, I saw people definitely waiting upwards of an hour to meet them. Keep that in mind. I mean, if you see Buzz first and the kids are interested in Buzz, I'd strongly suggest meeting Buzz and not and bypassing Woody and Jesse. You can still get pictures of them, even if you're not the ones meeting them. The, they pose there for a second in between shots and I got some some nice pictures of them. But um, the Buzz Lightyear meet and greet does move much more quickly. And also, if you see the characters leave, because they do have to take breaks, do not be deterred by that. They come right back immediately. I mean, not to spoil the magic, but there's a different character waiting back there to come right out. So um, don't be discouraged. Like if you see Buzz Lightyear walk away, don't jump out of the queue and think you're going to be waiting a long time. A new one comes right out. So that is the deal with that. Now, there are other characters besides these three there, and they are the green army men and women that are walk around characters there. They don't have a designated meet and greet spot, but I saw lots of people taking pictures with them, and they are hysterical. They carry big crayons over their shoulders like guns. <laughs> Some of them have drums, and they do also do performances sporadically during the day with um, drumming and marching through Toy Story Land. And they were so much fun, and I love that there were women. Good job, Disney. Thank you very much for having Green Army women there as well. But don't miss them. If you happen to not catch them at first, just hang around for 10, 15, 20 minutes and they will show back up because they are all, they're coming in and out throughout the whole day. So they are a really fun part of the experience there too. There's also like props scattered around the park and there's whole erector sets make up a lot of the construction around the park. And just take some time to take in those details because of course it's Disney World. They did a great job with attention to detail. And I've heard some criticism of the Toy Story Land that was kind of looked slapped together. But I think that's the idea. I mean, it's a kid's backyard with toys that he made. You know, I think people might be missing the point that it's supposed to look like a kid built it. So yeah, it's going to look a little slapped together. That was just my thoughts on that. And I enjoyed the place immensely. So the last thing you need to talk about is food. Um, I did eat several things there. 
course. And um, I did not stick around for lunch. So unfortunately, I don't have an experience with any of the items on the lunch and dinner menu, though I will share the full menu with you here. I did eat a breakfast there. You can see pictures of everything I ate over on the blog. I had the breakfast bowl, which I'm reading the description here, a hearty portion of potato barrels, those are tater tots, smothered in smoked brisket country gravy, scrambled eggs, and a sprinkling of green onions. And I did not know if I would like this, but it was amazingly good. It's not very photogenic. I mean, it might win the ugliest food award, but it was delicious. I'm not a big like um, sausage gravy fan, but there wasn't a ton of the brisket gravy and oh, it was so good. Very salty, but delicious. Um, the other options for breakfast are a s'more French toast sandwich which marshmallow and chocolate ganache stuffed in grilled custard soaked brioche and crusted with graham cracker crust oh my god sugar overload for breakfast and a smoked turkey breakfast sandwich and also a banana split yogurt parfait now a tip is i got a kid's meal the kid's meals for breakfast are the exact same items but just a smaller portion and i got a smaller portion of the breakfast bowl a mandarin orange a side of potato barrels so like extra potato barrels and a milk, which I didn't drink, but I still got a drink. Um, and it was $5.49 and it was way enough food. I was full for hours afterwards. So if you um, have a smaller appetite or you don't want a huge breakfast, just get a kid's meal. You don't have to be a kid at Disney World to get a kid's meal. They will give it to anyone. So that is a good money saving tip too. The um, full size portion of the breakfast bowl was $8.49 and the kid's portion was $5.49 and you got a piece of fruit with it. So I think it was a good option for me at least. Now, later in the morning, I mean, it was like 1030 or so, I did come back and have their signature desserts at Woody's Lunchbox, and those are the Lunchbox tarts. I had heard good things about them, so I figured I had to try both in the name of research. I mean, this is a tough job, but somebody's got to do it. So I had the Raspberry Lunchbox tart, which is raspberry marmalade stuffed pastry coated in a strawberry fondant and crispy pearls. It also actually had nerd candies on top, which was such a cute touch, and I had tried the chocolate hazel hazelnut lunchbox tart, which is chocolate hazelnut stuffed pastry. It's essentially Nutella stuffed pastry coated in maple fondant and candied bacon. So both were good, but I strongly preferred the raspberry lunchbox tart, which is not what I expected. I expected to like the chocolate one more because I do love chocolate, but it was kind of like, you know, Nutella's kind of like frosting. It was kind of like frosting covered by frosting. I was like, oh, so sweet. It made my teeth hurt. And the raspberry marmalade was not as sweet inside that. The pastry crust is amazing. It's so good. And they're huge. I mean, they're definitely shareable. One is shareable among two people. They're $3.29 cents each. It's so cheap for a shareable dessert at Disney World and they were amazing. So my suggestion for eating there is do not miss the lunchbox tarts. If you don't mind all the sugar and you like the chocolate, go for the chocolate hazelnut, but otherwise the raspberry one was excellent. The lunch and dinner menu is a combined menu. There's four items, four entrees on it. A barbecue brisket melt, which is sliced smoked brisket, pickles, and tangy barbecue sauce between melted cheddar and Monterey Jack cheeses on grilled sourdough. It sounds amazing. That's $12.99. There's a smoked turkey sandwich for $9.99, a three cheese, a three grilled three cheese sandwich for $8.99. 
and tachos, which are tater tots coated with beef and bean chili, shredded cheese, and signature queso with tomatoes and corn chips, finished with sour cream and a sprinkle of green onions. And I asked a cast member named Steven, who I talked to at length when I was sitting there eating about them, and he said they're really good. I don't just sounds kind of gross to me, but that's just me. Um, they have a few sides, a tomato basil soup, potato barrels, or a vegetable macaroni salad. Kids' meals are... Similar to breakfast, there are smaller portions of these. There's a turkey sandwich and a grilled cheese. For kids, they're $6.79 and $6.99 each. They also have a bunch of specialty beverages. They have a Mystic Portal Punch, which is $4.49, Powerade Mountain Berry Blast with lemon, lime, and tangerine. And you can get that in a souvenir alien cup. It's $16.19. Now, those cups sell for $15 otherwise, so it's kind of a good deal if you want a drink and you wanted to get a cup anyway. They have an ice cream float with Barks Root Beer, and they have fountain beverages in that Alien Cup for $14.99. So they also have some grown-up beverages. They have grown-up lemonade, three olives, cherry vodka, Adwala All Natural Lemonade, and black cherry puree for $9.25. And then they have a bunch of beer and um, a cider on the menu as well. So the lines were very, very long for Woody's Lunchbox. It's a small, quick service dining location. It can't serve a lot of people at once. So my tip for if you want to get anything from there, even if it's just one Lunchbox tart, is to use mobile order in the My Disney Experience app on your phone. So both times that I ordered something from Woody's Lunchbox, I used mobile order. You go in, you can place your order, you can hang out in the park. I did even place one where I was in the line for Slinky Dog Dash, and I placed an order for my Lunchbox tarts, because <laughs> I thought they can sit there for a minute while I'm riding and it's fine. So I placed my order when I was waiting in the queue. They were ready. When I got off the ride, I just walked over and there is a designated window for mobile order pickup. You just walk right up and they say, oh, are you Leah? I say, yes. And they give me my food because you pay actually in the app. So I have a whole post dedicated to how to use mobile order if you want to be walked through the steps of using it in the app. It's very user-friendly. I don't know that you'll need it, but if you do, it's on the blog. You just go and search for mobile order on the budget mouse and it will come up. But definitely take advantage of it. Do not wait in that long line. Um, another issue at Woody's Lunchbox is seating for when you eat. There, there are many tables, but I know at peak times they will be full and not all of them are in the shade. Now, there was a lot of criticism. At first, there was not enough shade in Toy Story Land, particularly in the dining area. So Disney has added umbrellas. Steven told me this, the cast member who I talked to. Disney has added many, many umbrellas to the seating area for Woody's Lunchbox in response to people's asking for more shade, people, sorry, people asking for more shade. And so you'll find more shade than you may have heard about it first there, but there are still limited seating. So you might want to have one person in your party go scope out and wait for a seat while the other person orders or waits for the mobile order to be ready. So that's my advice for dining there at Woody's Lunchbox. So to summarize quickly, Toy Story Land is a super fun not to be missed land at Disney World. And a bonus is you will get a look at the construction on Galaxy's Edge, which is the new Star Wars land at Hollywood Studios, opened, slated to open in late 2019. It is jaw dropping. I said, what? I had no idea the scope of it. So that was really fun to get a peek at that. So last, I want to let you know that my first patrons-only post is up on the Budget Mouse. It is a detailed review of Terralina Crafted Italian, which is the newest table service restaurant in Disney Springs. You can view it right on the blog, and it will unlock with your Patreon account if you are a patron at the $2 month level and up. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, I have a 
page on Patreon, which is a way for readers and listeners to support my site. And it does a few things. It can keep the podcast ad-free. I really would love to not have sponsors or ads on the podcast and have it be supported by listeners. Instead, you get exclusive patron-only content. So for example, this blog post that's up right now is unlocked by anyone that's a patron at the basic level. That's a $2 a month and up level. You'll also get quarterly behind-the-scenes videos that's just for patrons at the higher level, which is $5 a month level. And a lot of those are going to be straight from the Disney parks. I'm already working on the first one of that. You'll also get my Disney dining plan ebook for free if you join at the $5 level. So it's just a way to connect with you more and give you more of what you want without having to do ads to support the content. I can have it supported by my listeners and readers instead. I had a fun giveaway over on the blog this week. It was for the Alien Claw Cup from Toy Story Land that I picked up while I was there. And it is ending today, which is Saturday, the 21st of July. But if you missed it, if you're hearing this later and you missed it, do not fear. I have more giveaways coming up on the blog. So stay tuned for that. Head over to thebudgetmouse.com where you can see my next giveaway. So thank you so much for listening. You can always find me at thebudgetmouse.com or thefrugalsouth.com. I'm on Instagram at thebudgetmouse and I have a private Facebook group just for the Budget Mouse readers over on Facebook. Thanks again and have a magical day.